This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. So, George, I am curious because you sparked the thought bringing up the Jacksonville game last year. That was embarrassing. I have, I'm trying to remember, like, like there's not, thankfully, for the most part in my Colts fandom of being 20 years old, not a lot of, like, down, soul-crushing moments. Last year was the most down, depressed, I feel like soul-crushing moment I've had as a Colts fan, watching their season slip at the hands of the Jaguars in Jacksonville Week 18. Do you think, especially since you were there last year in person and saw that, you know, saw that just unbelievable car crash happen, do you think last year was a worse loss, or would you say today blowing a 33-0 lead um, to the the Vikings on a standalone slot, not in like a 1 o'clock Eastern slot where it could get kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, a prime or standalone 1 o'clock game on a Saturday, blowing a 33-0 lead, the biggest blown lead in NFL history, what what would you say is worse? Well, I don't think the 33 nothing leads ever going to get lost. I, I I don't know. Even even if it was tomorrow at 1 p.m., I think this one still would have would have got plenty of attention. Uh, people would have been cutting to that game probably, especially with the overtime period. Uh, it still would have had a national audience for, for the ending. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville loss because of circumstances. One, it cost you a playoff berth, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, two, that was a team with a winning record uh, that going into it, I mean, I, I know personally I was trying to – you know, hustle. Uh, all I was about that week was hustling around to make flight accommodations for wherever the playoff game was going to be. There was no thought that they were going to go and lose that game to Jacksonville and, and, and not be in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that one, you know, because of everything it cost the franchise, a chance to get in the playoffs, a chance to make a run. Uh, and, and that was a better football team. You know, it was a, it was a more productive team uh, that actually had something to lose. This one, the historic nature of it, makes it one of the worst losses in franchise history. But this team's 4-9-1, and one, and, and the problems that that we saw today, as, as we've mentioned, have been there all year long. It's still more surprising to me they had a 33-point lead to blow yeah. than it is that they blew a 33-point lead. So, you know, I, I don't – to me, it's it's Jacksonville, and, and it's really not that close. It's cra- I agree with you. I agree. And it's crazy we're in agreement on a loss to Jacksonville last year. We're talking about a feat – that literally no one else has accomplished where NFL Network showed this. And I just want to read it in case you missed it, but also to just emphasize how historic this was because I can't believe this number. Teams since 1930 in the NFL that have led by 30 or more points in a game, their record is 1,548-1-1. The one loss before today was the Oilers blowing that insane game to the Bills in which, ironically enough, Frank Reich was the quarterback who did, you know, uh, who did lead that comeback for Buffalo. But up until today, teams with 30 or more point leads, 15-48, one and one. I don't know who the tie is. I would love to know who, who the tie is, what that score was, but we know the Colts made history in terms of blowing the biggest lead today, 33-0. And even with that said, even with you blowing a 33-0 lead and making yourself the top of the history in terms of um, records you never want to have broken, I'm with you. It has to be Jacksonville because, like you said, that's still even coming off of the emotional win in Arizona and you had the Raiders and the Jaguars close out the game or close out the season. You got to win one. Okay, you lose the Raiders game. Carson Wentz is in COVID protocol all week long. Okay, fine. It's still like you go to Jacksonville. I know it's been a house of horrors, but the Jags have nothing to play for. They have the number one overall pick. Trevor Lawrence has stunk in his year. You had Urban Meyer get fired. How big of a train wreck that was. Even with the history, even with even some questions about, uh, you don't feel great about going to Jacksonville. Like I said, there's never a thought that the, the Colts would actually lose that game. They're a much more talented team 
last year than they were this year. They played, obviously, a much better opponent, a 10-3 and Vikings team that moves to 11-3. and So it's impressive in one sense. Like I said, the Colts got to a 33-0 lead in the first place, but I'm still with you. The, like, the, the pain today is nowhere near the pain I felt last year. And again, part of it was I was rooting for the loss. So even though towards the end I'm now rooting for a win to, to combat history, it's still not the same compared to, like I said, last year where it's just like, okay, they're going to win, they're going to go to the playoffs. And then it's like you said, who are they going to play? What's the matchup? Can this run game, can this defense kind of maybe catch fire and you can go on a little bit of run in an AFC? It still is last year. But uh, I did not think we, we'd find a game, George, to be honest, that maybe even could rival the pain and the embarrassment of last year and give the Colts credit. Give the Colts credit. They tried their damnedest. They tried their damnedest today. That is for sure. They almost succeeded. I mean, this they got is three to go. Don't, don't count them out. They got three more. And another primetime so, game, you know, another primetime game. So uh, who's not going to want to watch them now? Who knows what will happen? I think for once they probably got some interest now uh, from the nation because who knows what's going to happen in a Colts game that uh, to me, the most unfathomable thing about this They've been inconsistent all year. We know that. It's something we talked about. But the defense in the first half couldn't have been more dominant. They were incredible. They were dominating the Vikings pretty much across the board. I think at one point they had like 65 yards in the second quarter. Uh, it was just incredible what they were doing. And then the second half, they couldn't stop Minnesota. I That, to me, is the hardest thing to really understand about this whole game, how the defense went from lockdown you know, incredible making a statement on national television in the first half, shutting a team out to giving up 36 points in the second half and looking like they, they couldn't get a stop to save their lives. Are we going to, let me ask you this, George, are we going to get another Jim Mercer video think, today? So at least apparently on no. Twitter, according to one of our YouTube commenters, Ozai 75, he says, according to Charlie Clifford, this is the first game all season. Jim Mercer has not been seen in the locker room. Now Jim was there. You know, I, I'm, I can only imagine what's going through Jim's mind right now. Are we going to get another video in about an hour or so from now outside his private jet with the engines revving and blaring, probably wind blowing all across, making it impossible to hear what he's going to say? Are we going to get another State of the Union from Jim Irsay after this historic collapse? I think we got to hear from him at some point, but I, I don't know what Jim, what Jim could say. No, no, I hope not this week. You know, I, at the end of the year, is fine, but – I don't know what you can do at this point. They're already shorthanded on the coaching staff. They were down a coach offensively to begin with because you had fired two and, and only brought one back in. And then Clayton Adams, of course, left and and took the job in, with Stanford. I don't blame him. I'm not trying to, to cast any aspersions on him. He, he knows that, that there's no future for him here. Uh, the, that writing's on the wall. No matter if Jeff Saturday kept the job or not, there were going to be a lot of changes on the staff, and he did what, what he had to do took a job at Stanford to be an offensive line coach there, but now you're down two coaches on the offensive side. I don't, I don't literally, I don't think there's anything you can do. You can't really make any more coaching changes. You, one thing I think you should do. Um, and I was thinking about this, even when they were ahead, I think you should shut down Jonathan Taylor for the year. I, I don't know what you got the ankle injury again. I don't know what you get from sending him back out there for three more weeks at this point, let him heal, put him on injured reserve, uh, you know, get him ready for 2023. At this point, you'd just be putting more wear and tear on his body that, that seems completely unnecessary. You know, along those lines, I'm pretty sure that that they can be eliminated from playoff contention this week with with uh, just a few other things happening. I think maybe only two of those seven win teams need to win to take them out of the wild card race. And obviously a Tennessee win would, would bounce them right now. Um, 
it's close enough, even if they don't, if they, even if they aren't officially eliminated, that maybe you consider, you know, sitting Matt Ryan and going to Sam Ellinger, like you talked about. Uh, those are the only changes I think you can make at this point. The changes that sort of throw in the towel. I, I don't really see, I don't see the usefulness in, in another coaching change at this point. And I really don't think it's something that is feasible. Again, you're down two coaches on the staff now. I, you want to make that situation worse? You didn't think anybody on the staff was good enough to be the interim coach, you know, two months ago. Why would that change now? I, to me, the only change is bench. Don't bench uh, Jonathan Taylor. Just let him rest. Put him on IR, end his season, shut him down, and bench Matt Ryan. That's the only two things I can see uh, that, that really make any sense at this point. I'm in report rights on YouTube. Start Ellinger. Fire Ballard and Saturday make Fox the intern for the final three games of the season. I'm with you. Like I'm with you, George. Like fire. You, there's no point in firing anyone. They're, firing anyone at this point is stupid. You got three games left. Like I said, you're already down coaches. You can't. You literally can't fire anyone else because then you're gonna have. There's gonna be no staff left in order to get anyone ready. But I think you're right. I think I will. So I'm an optimist. You know me all season long. I've tried to look at the bright side. It's just it's just the way I, I'm wired. I always have to try to look to something positive because. If I just sit in the negative, I just have it. Just it's not a, not a good place for me for sure. So I always look at the positive. I think the positive is exactly what you laid out in blowing a thirty three nothing lead. This confirms uh, for Jim Mersey especially the the season's over. The tank is on. Like I said, John Taylor gets hurt in the first quarter. Supported be high ankle sprain. Did not return. There is no reason, no reason whatsoever to have him step on the field and put a pair of shoulder pads on again. Each at any point in the next three uh, any three games, shut him down. Worry about twenty twenty three. I think I think blowing this game, and embarrassing fashion, makes it easier to do that. I think you're right. Benching Matt Ryan, going to Sam Ellinger for the final three games, makes it easier to do that as well. When you blow a thirty three nothing lead and have this loss in embarrassing fashion, you want to definitely bring uh, or not bringing Jeff Saturday back whole hell of a lot easier after this loss. So I think it does make everything easier if you are Jim Irsay, if you're Chris Ballard. And even in a sense, Jeff Saturday, to where you truly have no reason now, no incentive to win any game. I know they say coaches and players don't tank, but you can make it to where you bench the quarterback, you bench your best player uh, on the offense in terms of Jonathan Taylor, and you just kind of play your hardest with some of the worst players. I think you're right. That's the the two positives. The one we talked about is it helps get Bryce Young. This loss is worth it. The other positive is, like I said, th this has to confirm. All doubts or, or all hopes of a playoff spot or even just finishing the year flat out uh, flat out strong is gone. It's absolutely yeah. gone. Like I said, now it's just start to already focus on 2023. And that's take care of some of your most important players health-wise. And then, like I said, quarterback, running back, set him down, done for the year. And at this point, honestly, it, it's more important probably. It sounds callous, but it's probably more important to protect that that Matt Ryan injury guarantee at this yes. point. I don't know what's going to happen with him next year. He may end up being the starting quarterback here next year, depending on how things you know play out. We, we've talked about that a lot on the pod. I don't think that's out of the question, but even with that being the case, I, why risk it? Why risk him getting hurt uh, in three games that, that have no meaning to the Indianapolis Colts uh, in, in putting yourself in that, in that position? I just don't – I'm not saying it will happen. That's That's the way I would go. And just, you know, give Sam Ellinger three more weeks to see what's there, you know, just to see what he can do. It won't be a, a fair situation for him by any stretch, especially if Jonathan Taylor's shut down. Um, also, in in regard to shutting down Jonathan Taylor, let Deion Jackson get the bulk of the carries. I don't, I don't know what point there is yeah. really 
and, and having Zach Moss play as much as he did today. I'd call up Jordan Wilkins, let Moss and Wilkins back up Deion Jackson, but for the same reasons as Ellinger, he, you know, look, Jackson's shown at times he can make some plays this year. I would, I would give him the load these last three weeks. Let him be the, the bell cow running back and, and see if, you know, if he can carve out a, a more significant role for himself next year. I think you're 100% right. Like I said, at this point, it's just, there's no positive. And like, I'm with you, by the way, when you say, I want Matt Ryan to be the starter next year. Because I think if you're realistic, if they don't get Bryce Young, I think any quarterback you do end up drafting, we talked about this with Eric Edholm a little bit as well. So if you, again, if you missed that, that was our Friday preview pod. Make sure you go back, check out the Blue Horseshoe podcast. We had Eric Edholm draft analyst for NFL Media on. And we are kind of talking about that. Is there any other quarterback outside of Bryce Young that you can maybe start week one? And he didn't really feel good right now. I know it's early in the process, but he didn't really feel good about anyone. So you're right. Like I think for the most part, if they are to draft anyone outside of Bryce Young, I would still like to see Matt Ryan be the quarterback next year, at least to start the season and be a mentor for whatever young guy they get. But also at the same time, I want to have the flexibility to do so, right? Like, and you talk about the injury guarantee. Matt Ryan gets hurt, can't pass a physical uh, in March. That that money is, I think it's an extra $17 million, I believe off the top of my head. It's guaranteed. So that really doesn't give the Colts any sort of flexibility where you can get rid of Matt Ryan if you want to. I think he'll be back next year. But if you have, for whatever reason, opportunity to move off from him and get someone else or include him in trade, whatever, I want the Colts to have the flexibility to make a move if the move is there, you know, and, and having him play, like I said, risking him getting hurt and actually having the worst case scenario happen where any of these three games he does get hurt, you're screwed. So that's, that has to be now, I know it's easy for us fans to say, George, 2023 has to be the focus and priority when you're still going on in 2022. I get it. It's easy for me and you to say that. But now, especially you lose a game like this, it has to hammer home the fact to everyone in the facility. This season is over. There's no benefit left coming out of the season. And you, for the sake of the franchise going forward, for the sake of Chris Boward's job, arguably going forward, if you want to back next year, you have to already in your mind be preparing game planning for how can you turn 2023 around at the head coach, at the quarterback, overall on this roster. I think that in part makes, you know, how at your point of talking about some guys getting benched just to preserve their health and preserve flexibility for next year. That has to take precedent now, the final three weeks of, this, uh, of the regular season. Just forget the fact that they're on primetime again next week. It doesn't matter. It, it does not matter. You embarrass, you embarrass yourself enough. The good news is, again, an optimist here, George, you can't embarrass yourself any more than you did today. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. 30 for nothing in the fourth quarter against the, Dal- uh, against the Cowboys two weeks ago was bad. I don't know. You can't get any worse. Like, is there a way, I'll ask you, is there a way they can embarrass themselves more than blowing a 33-0 second half lead uh, when they play the Chargers next Monday night? I can't, I, I don't know. I don't see how it's, unless you blow a 40 nothing lead, I don't see how it's possible. I, I'm just saying, don't tempt fate, man. Don't challenge this team. They may rise to it. Uh, they may find a way. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, in speaking with Bench and guys too, you know, the other thing with Matt Ryan, beyond the, the injury guarantee, he's been beat up a lot this year. So if you do want him to start next year, or there is any thought in your mind that he might be the starter next year, it's the same mentality as it is with Jonathan Taylor. Why have him take any hits even without the the guarantee? Why have him take any more unnecessary hits? Why not try to get him back at, at 38 in the best shape he can be and, and see if he can put together a better season next year? Um, yeah, I, I think it's that time. And there's some other guys, you know, probably aren't coming to mind right, right away now too. I would even consider benching DeForest Buckner, shutting down, not benching, shutting down DeForest Buckner. You've seen the size of that brace on his elbow. It's, it's gigantic. He's been playing with it now since I want to say like week three. It's been a long yeah, time. It has He's been. another guy that has just put his body on the line 
uh, has fought through, I'm sure, more than we know right now. All those guys that are in that situation, uh, I think it's, you know, they always talk about saving the players for themselves. I think that time has come. Anybody who's pushing through something, who's, you know, needing extra shots or, or whatever to get on the field every week, now is the time to put them on injured reserve and, and look at the younger guys because they honestly they've earned it. They put it all out there. They they fought the good fight. The fight is over. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Uh, with three weeks left in the regular season, get these guys a chance to get healthy. Give them a chance to to get ready for twenty twenty three. Like you said, that's got to be the vocal point. The players and the coaches won't think that way. Uh, obviously, they can't. It's not the way they're wired. But the organization needs to think that way at this point. I, I don't know that there's any other real logical approach. You're 100% right. Like I said, 2023 has to be the precedent, and that's the only really good news I can maybe point to out of this <laughs> embarrassing loss because, like I said, they were trying hard. Jeff Souter talked earlier this week about, you know, hey, we're here to go 4-0. and I'm, I'm coaching for my job, basically. So he was going to go all out and pull out all those stops. And the, yet again, I think this kind of hammers home any any hope, any questions, any possibility of him coming back, of this team making a, an improbable playoff run, everything is gone. Like I said, now 2023 has to be plastered all across the Colts facility. Worry about the future. The present right now is absolutely cooked.